0: Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness.
1: foolishness, 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 foolishness,
0: foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Guys, hope you are all well, doing good. It has been a good month or so. This is Brian Sumner. Welcome to the Foolishness Podcast. I know there's so much going on in the world. We've talked about this for a good two years because there really is so much going on. But actually, there's always something going on with all of us. We're always carrying something. We're always hearing something. We're always facing something. And the Bible tells us, believers, that the just shall live by faith. Whatever you're going through, whatever's outside our walls or inside our hearts, it's all about faith. And that reminds me of just the other day looking at Luke 10, one of my most favorite Bible stories where Jesus comes to the house of two women, two sisters, Mary and Martha. And why this is amazing, and I wanted to intro with this, is because we see this response from both these women, the Savior's there. They both call him Lord, but they both respond in different ways. And it starts off in that verse telling us clearly that Mary fell at the feet of Jesus and listened to his word. No matter what was going on, we don't know, but it was about Jesus. She was seeking first the kingdom, we can say, but the Bible says next, but Martha was distracted. She was distracted by something good. She was serving. She was maybe doing the things that we like to do. But Jesus even confronts this thought because she's off in that moment. And he says, Martha, Martha, you are troubled by many things. Listen, guys, but just one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that. I can be sitting here in Christ, thank you, Jesus, or my brother today and the things we've already talked about, thank you, Jesus. But are we sitting at his feet? Do we realize what we have access to? And I say that because Jesus, Mary, and Martha, Mary chose to worship Jesus. She fell at his feet. Martha could have done that, but she was distracted and caught up, and I hope that today as we get into this, you realize that all that you need was given to you on that cross, and this is a segue for me because that intro leads into, we're going to do a whole episode today on worship. I invited my good friend over. He is a worship pastor, an amazing singer. He's a husband, a father. He is an eager-to-get-back-on-the-mats jujitsuist, but he's a good brother of mine, so we're praying for that for him, but and he's got a cool name, Mr. Brian Albright.
1: How are we doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, I'm glad you know me because I can go so many places. And even in your intro, you're like, hey, this is very, very Brian-ish. Um, but one of the things important for our listeners to get today is worship isn't just a guitar or an instrument or a voice. It's everything. It's, it's seeing your kids run in just a moment ago and you loving them as a dad. It's you and me setting up a Zoom. It's your job. It's whether you have a terrible voice like me, even though God loves it. Worship is just the way that we live. So I guess for you, as the worship pastor of our church, as now, how old are you? You're I turned 32 on Sunday. So you're still a baby. But for you, oh, yeah. you've had enough of a journey. Let's just start with, I want our listeners to hear you, your life, and we'll get to where now you're this worship leader and you, it's a joy, it's a blessing, but it's definitely Lord, show me how to live this life. So where did this all begin for you? Southern California?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't moved too far from where I've really grown up. Um, yeah. I would say I, I, I initially fell in love with music mm-hmm. and music has always been a part of my life. I, I don't come from a musical family, but my dad, you know, he curated some pretty cool uh, albums for me at a young age. You okay. know, he like <laughs> slipped me the Pink Floyd "Dark Side of the Moon." He slipped me some sweet country records. He got me into the Beatles and Led mm-hmm. Zeppelin and all that stuff. And so, kind of in that, you know, eleven, twelve, thirteen year old yeah. age, I like fell in love with electric guitar. All I wanted to do was just play rock and roll. I would play with anybody who would let me. I had mm. played, you know, other instruments in in grade school, violin and trumpet and all that stuff. Okay. But, so music um,
0: theory was there. You understood music.
1: Yeah, yeah. I could read music a little bit better than most guitarists. But, mm. um, <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't get too far down that line. Um, and uh, really, when I started to discover... Music as an expression of worship is when I began to walk with Jesus, and that mm. happened in early high school age. When I was a when I was in eighth grade, a freshman in high school, um, I began attending a youth group. My cousin actually invited me, and okay. um, and I didn't really know anybody. Um, it's funny being a pastor and being kind of just at this stage of life. I'm a rather confident and yeah. kind of type A personality, I don't mind meeting people, I'm not shy around people. But at that age, I was pretty intimidated and, (laughs) and, you know, afraid to make new friends. And so what I would do is I would just go, I get dropped off early. I I don't know why, but I think I just remember getting there maybe half hour before group would start. And our youth group had a band and so they would be practicing and I would just sit there and listen. And I was fascinated with it.
0: But you could play already or no, or you would just- Kind of.
1: I was still pretty new at that point. Yeah. Um, but would it Would you say in... you're a
0: believer? Would you say I believed yet? Or you didn't even really know? No. It? No. Okay, cool.
1: I was just hanging out. Yeah. And um, and it was, you know, it was like fun. And um, I, you know, at that age, I don't, I mean, I don't know how it is today, but at least for me at that age- I hadn't formed a world view that could really oppose mm. Jesus, so I wasn't yeah. offended being in youth group, but yeah. I was just interested and happy to be there you know and um and so the actually the guys in the band just asked me if I wanted to kind of hang out and sit on the stage and wow. maybe bring my guitar and kind of like strum along while they're practicing and as a lot of worship leaders find themselves in these situations, it quickly becomes you filling in. <laughs> because there's inevitably somebody that doesn't show up or somebody that can't do the next week. And the roster's pretty, pretty light. And so like, can you do next week? Um, and so I actually kind of found myself leading worship mm-hmm. as I was discovering who Jesus was. And, mm. um, in a youth group context, you know i I think it was kind of a safe place for that. I wouldn't necessarily just have you know somebody who doesn't believe walk up and lead a whole church mm. like that. but um but it was cool because it was like the language of worship actually is what allowed my heart to be opened to mm. to Christ and to and to the Lord and to the truth. and yeah. so it was it was very soon after that that I more or less had kind of this prayer of confirmation in my own heart. I didn't take like, you know, a sinner's prayer. I didn't have like this like moment, but yeah. it was almost like a, you know, Jesus, I have been walking with you, haven't I? I have been believing, haven't I? <laughs> Can you confirm that for me? I guess I do me?
0: believe this. Yeah. Man.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> no, but that's amazing to hear.
0: Cause you don't hear it too much. Cause it's more like someone's on drugs. Someone dies. Someone's in a crazy experience. I got to figure out what's happening where you Were you more like introvert kid? Did you have friends you did sports with or you more just like hung out with the family and then this kind of became, okay, these folks are cool.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm not normally an introvert, but I'm introverted in new environments. So some people jump right into new environments and they're all out. I am like really comfortable in my own space and with my own friends and people I know. But when I step in a new place like church or whatever, I don't, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. throw myself out there. And so, um, so I come across as, you know, introverted and then quickly I become, You're you know, outgoing and part I'm of outgoing. It. I'm really comfortable. I become friends with a lot of people. So um, <laughs> quickly in church, like, yeah. I was super comfortable in youth group. Youth group growing up was where I would hang out. Amen. I didn't really fit in at my high school. I didn't like, I didn't really enjoy high school. Um, I kind of mm. fizzled out of sports and got really into music and was interested in ministry. So I was volunteering at church all the time. I was always Yeah. There.
0: So, yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking because the idea of going there, hearing, and I guess it's maybe the lazy guy in the band who's like, I'm probably going to be gone, you know, eight times the next few months, which kid would look pretty cool up here. He picked you. So now you're strumming away, you're playing. You probably haven't got into too much because you're 13, 14. But did you go through any kind of battle in, okay, I'm going to take this thing really serious, you know, when you start noticing gales or when your friends are doing things, <laughs> or were you just were you just locked into church the whole way, you know? You know,
1: no, I, I definitely was not that, uh, I wasn't that mature in my thinking of music yeah. at that point. I enjoyed it. And <laughs> when I try and, like, reflect on how I was at that point, I was definitely, like, there was definitely, like, the appreciation for it in worship, but there was also just me wanting to, like, be cool and play guitar and have people yeah. see me. Yeah. And there's a lot of working that out at that age to begin with no matter yeah. what kind of skill or talent you have but, whatever um, sport or whatever you do it's all right. why are you doing it yeah 100%. puberty yeah <laughs> yeah exactly but it was around like 16 17 that i was really serious about music um specifically uh i i really fell in love with recording i i producing music like that yeah. was at an early age you know i i Scrounge up enough money to buy like an old laptop on ebay and learn how to record drums and you know all this stuff mm-hmm. and so creating music was always a passion of mine uh. and i wanted i knew i wanted to go to school for that at least and i didn't really know if i wanted to you know i didn't have aspirations to be a pastor or to be yeah. in, in any kind of ministry but i loved that environment i loved serving in church
0: yeah and, and that was still you know like even you
1: 10 15 years ago there wasn't the industry around yeah. ministry and worship ministry that there is today so the thought of like getting a full-time salary to be a worship pastor was kind of there was only of, a few yeah. places where that would might, that might work out you know <laughs> um so yeah i i it was actually visiting a friend who was a student at Biola hmm. and um And staying with him and meeting his friends and seeing the kind of community he had at that school Mm. that made me want to attend a college like that. So I actually went to Biola because I saw the kind of community and friendships that he had. And it was in that process that I really, through applying and through kind of like getting into college, that I discovered Mm. maybe there's a pastoral gift that's worth exploring and seeing how that would work with music.
0: Yeah, because it is managing people, it is doing things, you know, and I know we have, our church had three services, went to do to two, we're going to be doing a night service, but right. a lot of churches, the worship person is just the one woman that could sing at the potluck, and they're like, you're that woman, and I tell I tell you guys that because I go to those churches, and right. you know, it's then her and her nephew, and, and it's all worship, I mean, it's beautiful, but it really became then a profession, so you're 13, this goes on, when did you start taking on that role as a worship pastor? Where you're like, because I get it, you're saying it. The production side of it is huge. Right, that's part of your character. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. When did that really say, "This is the church I'm going to be part of. This is my life now"? And
1: yeah, yeah. so I would say um, going going to school, going to like college for being trained in ministries. Interesting because yeah. obviously they want to give you the skills to to use in church to be hired by a church. It's its kind of an interesting thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, either. like let's yeah. get you placed in a job at a church. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of like conflicting thoughts in my mind, actually, like as I was going through school yeah. and as I was kind of coming out of school, because um, the academics and like, you know, learning how to be a worship pastor, just learning all these skills, its like mm-hmm. learning, you know, the skills of being a musician and kind of like the practicals of ministry. Yeah. What you don't necessarily gain is the, the heart for pastoring <laughs> and the, and the anointing that that might have from God, yeah. you know? Um And school's not meant for that, but it's hard to see that when you're in the thick of like college and when you're young. And so it was really my first job out of college at a church Yeah. that I I just say that God really carried me through some you know some choices that i like i i couldn't I couldn't see for myself. God was mm-hmm. kind of laying out my steps and really protecting me um through it all and I found myself in this full time job at a church leading worship um but there was a worship pastor above me, so it was a large church, and I was one of the worship leaders there, yeah, and he became a mentor to me and um really showed me the pastor's heart of a worship pastor mm-hmm. and it, and and he was incredibly talented he was uh just a great artist and songwriter and guitarist and all these things but above everything else he cared mm. that people would seek Jesus yeah and you know it's people will you know when we talk about worship is more than just music you know they'll reduce it down to saying worship's a lifestyle and mm-hmm. i would say i'd reword it to say Worship is how we orient ourselves toward God. And this guy just always would orient Mm. his life and help me orient my life toward Jesus. Yeah. And he did that in like this beautiful artistic way. He kind of speaks like Yoda. He just speaks in like these like metaphors and just like (laughs) poetic language that I'm always like, is he that green
0: guy I keep seeing you hang out with? Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Um, but, uh, it was through that that I just learned and and mm. was really seeking the Lord to help shape in me a a heart for people to encounter the Lord and to seek the Lord and to be close to the Lord and to and to match that with my practical gifts with music mm. and and all of that. So that's kind of how I found myself in this role at my church now at our church at Branches yeah. is um you know, another one of those things where the Lord's just, you know, guiding my steps. And I, I step into the role and right when yeah. I did, our whole church kind of like was in a huge transition. And <laughs> and the Lord just said, Hey, like this is what I have for you. And um mm-hmm. that's kind of how I stepped into this role to build the culture that we have at branches.
0: Yeah, just because I remember speaking even years ago in the East Coast, and it was like a very reformed church. I'd never really been in there. And I'm debating at that time when am I going to go to a seminary? What do I need to do? What am I missing? And I, the pastor just had me preach, and I preached this serious message. And afterwards, I was like, you know, do you think I need to go to seminary? And he said, Brian, it's not what you learn when you get in. It's what you learn when you get out, and so it's almost like you learn right. the cushion. You could already read music. You know, Paul McCartney to this day tells you he can't read music because he doesn't right. want to get in the rhythm of his flow. But it's true. And Bruce Lee used to say, "There's no actor but the action." So here's Brian Albright. I'm speaking to the younger generation. You're going to your seminary. You've got your friends. It sounds cool, but when you go to church and the grandmas on the bench, or I'll say this for my wife, with her mom passing away, I always try and encourage you with this, not intentionally you will have to share two or three minute little things in the middle of songs or your intro. And when a person comes in church and they're hurt and they've lost someone and whatever's going on in their life, broken marriage, the worship sets the tone for receiving the word. So the little things that I've heard you or one of the gales or someone say, knowing my wife is there and she's fragile, that's pastoral. That's what sticks out to her all week. And then obviously the preaching and the rest of it, but it really has to be a pastoring heart. And I love that you said earlier, even in your testimony kind of, and it wasn't that I was an unbeliever because people will bring amazing musicians who aren't believers who are raging on Friday on Saturday night to come in and play worship. And I'm like, I get it. But what you're saying is that there's no one in this church gifted enough or our pride is so high that we can't just have like, you know, the guy with the four chords play, he's got to be like, right. you know, um, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So this is all going on. So then now, obviously, and I can feel that heart in pastoring, but I think it's important people to understand this because Brian, you know this, and this is kind of a confession for me. I can play guitar, right? Yeah, I've seen you play. But can I really play guitar?
1: <laughs> <laughs> with, with enough practice, absolutely. So that's
0: faith right there. But my point is this, <laughs> is that... We all have gifts, and that word for gift is, you know, charisma. So if I look at you, I'm like, that's a worship leader. You know, that's a pastor, and he can sing. There's people that are listening thinking it's only about worship, but no, in the Bible, Peter tells us in First Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, that's the word charisma, use it to serve one another. So Brian showed up to church, strummed that guitar, had fun with this community, his gift would make room for him. And he goes on and says, Peter, in verse 11, whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by strength that God supplies. So I'm saying this to kind of pastor our listeners as we get deeper into your story. A lot of people ask the question, what am I meant to be doing with my life? And I would ask all of you to say, what are you naturally gifted at? I can get specific things done, but I would hate to oversee a church because I don't think administratively like you or Pastor Andrew, you started playing music. It made way. I got pushed onto a stage and began to share out of fear and the Holy Spirit. And as you said, the anointing met me there. I say all this to say, because you're le- you're leading into this, but we're not sitting in Galilee 2000 years ago. We're not on the shores, you know, with the Jordan. A worship leader back then would have been different than today. We have nine to fives. What would you look at as a worship leader being in today's culture? You know, we're in America. We have limited time. How do you look at that whole picture just oh, to help man. people that's see that? Yeah.
1: That's a great question. I think that the the right answer gets distorted in mm. many ways. And um, what I see, at least from where I'm standing, you know, worship pastor of a small church in Huntington Beach, there's... yeah hundreds and thousands of churches all around, right? But at least what I can kind of see is there is beginning to be a transition and kind of a movement away from just um, song leaders as worship leaders. Mm. And um, there's a place for music. And I'll, I'll kind of specifically answer your question here in a second. But yeah, go just wherever. To speak to Yeah, just to speak to how I view music. I mean, the... The necessity of music, the place for music is established early on in the scriptures. I mean, the Mm -hmm. people of God have been singing together (laughs) from the beginning.
0: Amen.
1: And it's had a place in their liturgy, it's had a place in their worship, in their gatherings. And I think, you know, when I think of how, like, of why that is. I just think it's because it's such a unifying thing, such a unifying mm-hmm. language. Yeah, I would call music as a spiritual language because regardless of if we're singing, singing in words or mm-hmm. in a language I understand or not, there's something that everybody can connect to and kind of gri- mm-hmm. grip onto when it comes to music. And, um, and when it's, when you talk about it in the context of worship and even like our, you know, modern kind of worship gatherings, Music gives the people something to sing together, mm-hmm. a message to hold on to together, something that stays with you. I mean yeah. melodies oftentimes will stick into our brain a lot easier than
0: mm. you
1: know just a plain sentence. There's a reason why in Awana's or Sunday school they put scriptures to songs all the time so that kids yeah. memorize them. And, and I love just, them.
0: I love right. seeing our Bible a little summer Bible camp and all the kids are all out of key singing their hearts out and I'm at home at dinner. Singing that song yeah. out of key as well. Yeah, yeah. I
1: still got like all of Psalm 103 memorized <laughs> practically because of, you know, Awanas and all the songs I sang. But, but that's um, a
0: very Jewish thing. That's how they did it with the children because they didn't. You know, you've seen that meme where Skeletor runs away and he said, just so you know, the Bible <laughs> was an audio book first. And he just, so it was till next time. <laughs> that's hilarious. Like, that is funny because they didn't, yeah. you know, they had the papyrus that was so valuable but they memorized, so yes, singing. Okay, I like what this so is. So there's, I
1: mean, about. there's, there's like, there's a reason that music is, is even reduced to the word worship. You know, we talk about, hey, I loved mm. your worship, or we loved that time of worship, and it's, you know, we're talking about the time of music. But in our gatherings, I think it really, truly is important yeah. because it centers us and it and it collects us together. It gives us a unified voice. Mm. Um, Humbles and so, us too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you tell you talk about like, what's the role of a worship leader? What is a worship leader? I would say, you know, it really is to be someone to lead those moments. But if you're talking about the greater purpose of a worship leader or worship pastor, yeah, yeah. it's someone who's actually going to create and maintain and sustain mm. a culture of devotion within a church. Mm-hmm. And so that is done not only with music, but with prayer. And discipleship mm-hmm. is a big word that gets thrown around in church. But what I mean by that, it's really just spending time with people yeah. and, and living out your life in a way that kind of rubs off on them and vice versa and pushing each other mm-hmm. toward Jesus and also uh through creativity through creative works and arts and through collaborative efforts i think all those things and and you know i say those and maybe whoever's listening can hear those and have maybe an idea in their mind of what that looks like and a lot of times that can be scaled beyond reach yeah you know and you're thinking mega church type you know images or just projects or endeavors that seem really like out of reach and hard to do but you can reduce that to its smallest form, you know, Mm -hmm. um, someone that had a huge impact on me in my life was a worship pastor who did it part-time and he was a financial advisor for his full-time job, Mm. but he embodied that and lived into it. Um, based on what that church needed, it was a small church that didn't have a ton of needs day to day. And so he was able to, you know, he led, times of worship on Sundays, he mm. spent time with me and um, encouraged me and and really raised me up as a leader. Amen. And he was a creative person and he would, um, you know, invite me to write songs with him and to spend time with him and just kind of um, make music together. He would pray mm. with me. Um, so I, I don't think it, it matters about like, you know, if it's a full-time or part-time kind of job, Yeah, but I think, it, you know, it's, it's a good thing for people who are especially maybe even thinking about pursuing that in their life. If they haven't already to know that it's not just, um, it's not just making YouTube videos of your services or music videos of the songs that you write. And that's it. Those are artists. Those are, those are musicians um, and they have a purpose too, but they're not necessarily just worship pastors.
0: You might never meet that person, talk to that person. And I know for you, You just mentioned, even in church recently, you were away at like a a music event where it was a kind of a conference. And here you are all these years later. And there was just someone that you interacted with that shared something with you practically that still encourages you to this day. And he was as a brother in Christ, but he was pastoring as well. He was sharing something that mattered to him with you. Voices are one thing, you know, interacting. But like you're saying, it is. It's community. It's not showing up because. Cause I've spoken at times where I've gone on like the worship band has been amazing, but then they almost just felt like performers. I don't want right. people who suddenly check their phone afterwards or did whatever, you know, I get it, but I'm saying it can almost just be like, I'm in and I'm out. No, you want this heart of the feel for what's happening. We're gathering, we've been praying the team's planning. What could God do throughout the whole service?
1: So. Yeah, exactly. And I would say uh, a great, a great thing that keeps uh, a worship culture in check is when it's for the community and not for beyond the church. Um, you know, I, the, I, I think it's amazing that God can breathe on things and make them bigger than they ever were intended to Amen. be. And I think there's a lot of really pure movements of God mm-hmm. around this world that I'm thankful for. Yeah, I don't sit yeah. here and look at things that are bigger than myself and immediately judge them but what i do it what i can do at least and what i should do is always examine my own heart and if what i'm doing is looking straight through the 200 people that are sitting in front of me and i'm only thinking about how many people are watching this on youtube or how many yeah, other yeah. people are going to be experiencing this yeah. i've i've messed up big time i've missed i've yeah. missed because Really what I committed to do and what I think God really is wanting of me is to love if it's five people, if it's 200 people, but they're here, we're here as a community. Um, I am a huge believer in the local church, and I think it's local church and probably smaller churches that are going to be more responsible for revival in this world than the bigger movements. The bigger movements, if they have pure motive, are going to be are going to be, you know, jet fuel for the whole thing. And it's going to be great. Yeah, But there's there's millions of Christians in this world that gather in small gatherings and who need pastors who want to love and Mm -hmm. serve them and lead them and give their best talents to them, even if it's not for the rest of the world.
0: Yeah. And again, you know, the internet wins like that meme of like Neil Diamond. And it's like a three second clip and it's like, I'm a worship pastor. It's all about Jesus. And he spins around right. and he's sparkling with I mean, I, guys, just so you know why I'm saying this, I send these to Brian. It might be like 12 at night when I'm done preaching.
1: You know, oh, so yeah. Like
0: eight hours. I get all so, the
1: Instagram DMs. So yeah. you get the worship ones.
0: Pastor Austin gets the youth ones, you know, whatever it is. But, but here's why this is powerful for people to understand. Once I get to heaven, I am never going to evangelize anyone. In fact, I'm never going to proclaim the gospel as we proclaim it now. I'm never going to serve a poor person. Mm -hmm. Worship has always began. I mean, in fact, Adam's denial, blaming God, you know, it's the woman you gave me, was a lack of worship. Satan's rebellion pride was a lack of worship. You know, all things may buy him for him through him. So there'll be no evangelism, no preaching, but there will always be worship. And so now picture you're 16, 17. Hey, I'm going into this. Our expectations are high. What I guess do you wish you'd knew when your journey began? And I say this and I'll qualify it. When I'm preaching and teaching, and there's a young guy, like, hey, I'm thinking about getting into it, I'm gonna preach here in a week. I'll tell him, Hey, when you mess up, don't stop the service and tell the church you missed your point. Just focus on God, you know, yeah. or like there's certain things that you just learn as a worship leader, you particularly with COVID when all the technology would shut down, or we'd be in this building. What things stick out that you wish you could have just said, 18-year-old Brian, listen, you're gonna get through this, but you know, important things, I guess.
1: Right. Man, if I was to encourage myself, it's a great question. I think the I'm trying to figure out how to articulate it. I, I think I would I would just tell I would tell myself or anybody at that stage that look, it's not about creating and manipulating an experience. Whether it's for yourself so that you feel like you ha- can believe more or mm-hmm. have more faith or for others, it's genuinely about being honest and honestly and humbly approaching God, and mm. oftentimes that looks like something much more simple than we want it to look, yeah, and so um you know That's it's funny, fun. some of the best songs or the, at least you know who people who have told me you know, yeah this is a song that really speaks to me are the simplest ones that I've written. And the ones that come from probably the most honest place. Mm -hmm. Um, And they don't, it's not the production. It's not, you know, anything sexy about it. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's really, it's really just like the simplicity of the prayer that, um, Mm. that was real for me and is real for someone else. And so there's actually like, an incredible opportunity for young worship leaders if they're yeah. willing to just not be so aspirational in the moment. Amen. There's a there's a difference between aspiration in your life. Like there's working on your craft. There's becoming great at it. I mean, you, you're a great skateboarder. You, you don't you know you don't necessarily yeah. try out like the hardest trick without trying working it out <laughs> beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, like You don't go to the competition or in jujitsu. You're not, you're, you're not <laughs> trying a bow and arrow choke on somebody like day one. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. So um, but there's working
0: hard at something. There's working it out yeah.
1: in, in, in your own, you know, in the secret place, as a lot of people will call it. And in, in this place where it's kind of like, you have intimacy with the Lord, you're on your own. Amen. You're not necessarily accountable for leading other people in that moment. Mm. And then there's, and then there's the moment when you're in front of people where it's like the fundamentals can actually be what wins the, the war, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. And now you got me thinking about jujitsu. It's like, mm-hmm. if you have fundamentals down, like you can win pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty well, especially against other white belts, right? Yeah. Like you got, you got the basics down, like you can hold your ground. Um, and so in worship, if you can like understand the fun, the fundamental of worship is going to the throne room of Jesus and offering yourself, yeah. Yeah. And you can do that simply and without distracting. Like that's a win. So if it is the four chords and if yeah. it is the the the, you know, Yeah. uh what's the song that's like so popular? Uh there's no place I would rather be.
0: Yeah. No place
1: I'd rather be <laughs> here in your love. That song everyone does like a 10-minute version of it and it's like two choruses, you know, back yeah, and forth. yeah. But that can speak um to people in the moment, it can be a genuine prayer to the mm-hmm. Lord. He can delight in it. So, that'd be something I would encourage, especially younger worship leaders, is to work on the craft, your musicianship, your leadership, your pastoral yeah. giftings, but yeah. to not be afraid to do the simplest thing and let God actually use that.
0: Mm. Yeah, because, you know, Putting myself on the spot, I think with skating, you spend so much time, especially when you're an amateur. You know, Brian, you're a sponsored amateur. We want to bring you on the team where you have to hit certain goals. Well, now you're pro. You have to hit certain goals to get a pro shoe. Why wouldn't I want to do this? I'm older. I'm falling in love. I want to make money, all the rest of it. But I feel like me and my Christianity, and I love what we did at the Easter service. Yeah, everyone's done up. Everyone's showing up fancy. It's Easter service. Then, you know, our pastor, Pastor Andrew kind of walks up in like a white t-shirt like he's just got <laughs> done with his kids and he's yeah. not trying to be intentionally humble but there's something in just a very practical like even this podcast guys i'm sitting in my kitchen and the walls got an old gloss on it from cabinets we ripped down i'm not saying it's wrong to deck it all <laughs> out and all the rest but Aye. i feel like you being on what the worship leader God's speaking to needs to hear he will hear this if the yeah. next episode it's wherever so to put that into where you are you kind of answered it what things kept you grounded. It's the focus on God and his presence because, and and I'll say this, and I'm friends with a lot of these guys, but the movements we've had the last 10 or 15 years that have been great, they've given us great songs. It's been great to sing along. I personalize them. Some of those songs get attacked. I'm going to change this word. I'm going to do that. But to me, a generation, I'd say your generation, but a little bit obviously below now, they think that's the success when it's not. What I right. love, of, you know, it is success. Great. Like you said, that pioneer is the move. It brings some new life into things, but that's the danger, the size of the platform, the accolades, the when I walk in the room, this is who I am. No, yeah. you know, that guy that ministered to you, that's a blessing. There's treasure in heaven for him, and he found a brother in you, and that's all of it. And I guess I'd say this just because just this kind of goes along. And um, Our good friend, you know, Justin Unger and his friend Josh, they do a ministry, Likewise Worship. And I do a lot of stuff with them where I go in and challenge encourage them. But one of the things I've heard over and over is that a worship leader can become kind of like a commodity to a church service. You know, I'm planning a church or I'm friends with Brian. You come in and you just pop up, you'll pop in and pop out. You do your part. You're done. You don't have that kind of relationship with branches. Andrew was done preaching a few weeks ago and you'd intro to song. He didn't even know you were going to bring in and it tied in perfectly to his message. So what is a good working relationship for a pastor to have with a worship leader? Whether you say, man, this is best case scenario, or whether you say, I hear the burden of so many of you <laughs> You're getting older and you'll see this, Brian, oh, Forty as an evangelist, and I tell this to even people on probably our staff and everything. I'm protective of like the gospel and I'm like protective of, and it's not my place to protect it, but I'm like, you know. I want people just to hear the truth and go, is it really what the scriptures are sharing? And so for you, right. encourage some people. And as a worship leader, you might feel like this, but this is kind of what pastors need to understand
1: as well. You know. Oh man, you're putting the ball in the tee for me. I could write a book on this, man. <laughs> yeah, just
0: as like, you know, you're 30 something now. So just encourage people. And for young pastors to go, that yeah. guy is a gift to your church. He has a craft. Yeah. He shapes this. So-
1: you should write a yeah. book on it though. So well to put a little context to where I'm at in that uh re- in that relationship and in that kind of situation. I I have a very healthy relationship with mm. our lead pastor. Yep. Um and you know, it's interesting because at my age, I have many peers, many friends who um have left ministry and yep. Who aren't worship leaders anymore? Who aren't uh, pastors anymore? And you know, everyone's got their justification for it, and I don't, I don't fault them. But I see a lot of common uh, commonalities in their situations, and it usually has to do with poor leadership or a tension in a relationship with mm. someone who's leading the church and and then they get scarred and then they leave and they and you know they have enough of those experiences and every church is the same la di da da and they're out yeah and they just don't want to deal with it anymore and i get that and I, I genuinely feel like god spared me both both churches i've worked for f- in, in a full-time capacity I've, yeah. I've had incredible bosses i've had in, incredible support mm. and um and I've gotten to work with people who just love Jesus and they do it in a humble way. Mm. But what I can speak to as far as what I think goes into that and what I think is so good about what at least I have currently at branches is, um, an incredible amount of trust. And, um, it start, it honestly starts with, uh, well, at least in my case, it started with our lead pastor, started with Mm. Andrew. Mm. He knew what he was looking for. And, um, at least from my understanding, I love, you know, kind of hearing in hindsight, like, what was the process like looking for, you know, worship when pastor? I get him on the interview, How did I win, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it came down to, um, really someone who valued the, the mission and vision of the church mm-hmm. and who valued pastoral ministry over like, uh, Selfish gain and propping up a worship culture just for buzz and excitement. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, uh, it's more than, more to it than just that, but I'm trying to, you know, reduce it to a phrase. And so I I think very quickly, you know, I gained Andrew's trust, but Mm. vice versa, he gained Mm. mine because what we have is a relationship of. Encouragement and support and appreciation for each other, mm. and that's really true in the staff of our church. I think that's why yeah. we have uh you know just a really healthy staff culture in general um is there's people who are just for each other yeah and there's not this you know fight for you know resources or attention because we all are for the mission of the church we believe in the community mm-hmm and so I think um, a healthy relationship. What what I would say uh, if 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 someone's looking for a job at a church as a worship leader as a worship pastor, that's good, yeah. Um, red flags to me are when they try and attract you and win you over with budgets and uh, equipment <laughs> and uh, personnel and resources. Mm-hmm. Then that's the draw for you to take the job because you're talented and you're a good singer or a good worship yeah. leader. Um, and there's nothing else that they're like advertising as good about their community or it's all kind of second to the resources. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge red flag because what that tells me is look like they have cool things and they're trying to like get you to come because you can do fun things with the cool things. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe they'll get a couple years out of you before you're fed up and leave. Because there's no, there's no like appreciation for the people. Yep. Um, But what I think is good to look for is a church that says, here's our people. This is what's amazing about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you, if you really want to lead them, like we'll get behind you and we'll resource you as best as we can. Hmm. Maybe that is with a ton of cool equipment or maybe that's just nothing wrong with that. You're not saying that. Yeah. Yeah. But if they want to, if they want to support you with the resources because they believe that you are the person to like help lead the people and to pour into people and to and to actually bring more people into the fold yeah. and not just make it about you, like that is an incredible situation to step into, and especially if you have a pastor um, or a leadership that really trusts your um mm-hmm. your own devotional life with Jesus enough to like let them give you have freedom in like you know crafting worship sets and picking mm-hmm. songs and and even saying like hey i think think we could do this in our services and they and there's an audience for that kind of mm-hmm. you know dialogue those are incredible situations because then you enter into a culture of supporting each other and and you're escaping a culture of performance yeah um and Unfortunately, uh, you know, there's a lot of places like that, and I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure there's even places that are like that that don't want to be like that and who are trapped in that, and they're trying to like work their way out of that, and that's really difficult to walk that back.
0: Yeah, and it, and I guess I'd say with some of this too, just for those listening, and and you can challenge this in a good way, you know, you almost hit on it, but as a musician, okay, I'm freshly saved. So Brian, do you write only Christian music or is it secular? Even that is the corny statement. Whereas a right. musician, but I say it because Josh Garrels was on and we had a conversation and he's like, you know, I'm older now and I kind of need to say some stuff. And he just made the point. <laughs> he said something and I'm going to tear it to bits, whatever he said. Forgive me, Josh. I know he checks these out, but he was even saying there was a famous show or something years ago where these secular bands were on tour and one of the bands was a Christian band. And the whole game for the secular bands was to get the Christians talk about Jesus but they wouldn't do it. So in the green room, they would always ask questions, but they wouldn't talk about God. And you've even made some references to where things have progressed. But 30 years ago, it was almost like, we're going to go and be around you. And we all love Jesus, but we're not going to tell you that. And hopefully when you see that we just enjoy everything as much as you do, you'll be like, it's so cool. I want Jesus. And Josh's kind of thing was like, look, you're writing music, what's coming out of your heart, but and I feel this from a lot of these leaders right now that are on the stages. I used to go to events and conferences, 20, 30, I mean, 100,000 people. Some of the right. bands would just play music. And some of them seemed in the last 10 years to really emphasize, focusing heavily on their faith and their gospel, because they, they felt like it was being lost. But for you, when you look at music as a Christian, you can write about your wife, you can write about your family, you can do it. But how do you just look at music as a whole? Because you've written albums now, you're producing music, all this. But speak to the musicians just to hear that. Because obviously you've yeah. opened your heart oh, to a lot man. of other powerful stuff, you know?
1: Oh, well, the one of the most beautiful things about music in this period of time, in the modern era, is there really is so much mm. freedom to try everything. I mean... Gosh, some of my favorite artists are artists who have written both worship music and music that you wouldn't consider worship. You probably wouldn't sing it in church, but it's just yeah. honest. It's just who they are. It's their music. Can't even wrap yeah. it up in genre, you know.
0: It's like a testimony. Yeah. It's their art. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You wanna you wanna you wanna laugh? Just ask any band or artist what genre their music is and watch them like just melt trying to figure out how to explain themselves yeah (laughs) well it's like rock but it's like indie pop and it's a little bit of folk and it's like nobody's comfortable just like putting themselves in one box (laughs) Mm -hmm. because they have to um,
0: nowadays yeah yeah
1: you know i think i think artistry in music is um really important it's really important to, Mm -hmm. to culture i mean even if you look at popular culture, not yep. just church culture, Christian culture, it's artists who have some of the biggest audience and, and biggest voices. So yeah. you talk about what influences people in one direction or another. I, I think there's such a place for the arts and for artists to have uh, yeah. an audience and a voice. And, um, and I think that there's also... I don't think there's any one type of worship pastor, worship leader. I think there's like healthy things for them to like commit themselves to in a church, but yeah. everyone's got their own kind of gifts and, and even passions. So there's yeah. plenty of people. I mean, Josh is one of those people, uh, yeah. you know, who are, are incredible artists, but I think that they approach music differently when they find themselves leading in, uh, a church gathering than they would if they were like playing a show yeah. and, so, for me, you know, me personally, I feel like my life is committed towards writing songs for the church. Mm-hmm. That's where I feel really at home. Um, I have written songs that maybe you don't sing in church. In fact, I mean, there's a couple on, like, our Branches album that, like, I never yeah. lead in worship services, but I wrote them. I felt like they were valuable. We recorded them. Amen. out there. Um. But where I really find most of like my time spent and where I get really excited, where I feel really like living into my, you know, purpose is giving voice to the people of God. Mm. And there are people that. That's huge. That's there's big people statement. who have like written maybe three worship songs and the rest are, you know, songs for them to perform as an artist and bless people in that way. Yeah, you know, people talk about going to U two concerts as like an experience with God. You know, <laughs> there is, yeah, there yeah, is yeah. like, there are spiritual things that can happen in, yeah. uh, in music and in performative music that you know doesn't have to happen in a church gathering. Yeah, but for me, I love writing worship. I love you know trying to give the community its own voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are different approaches. I think writing music for worship is just different. Like yeah. there's people who want to try and change it and and make it more like contemporary pop music. And yeah. there's just things that I think are not practical for that. You know, it's like uh, the, the joke, like, you know, in <laughs> pop music, people are trying to write songs that are just like, you know, a verse and a chorus, and it like, and it's two and a half minutes, and that's yeah. all people's attention spans are good for on Spotify. Walking through
0: forever 21 or something,
1: yeah. Right, and in worship, it's like, how can we write four bridges and make this song 12 minutes, <laughs> you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And um, that sounds ridiculous just saying it out loud, but when you are in a room trying to create space to hear from the Lord... Patience mm. is an incredible value. And so when you create music that actually lives into that value, now all of a sudden it's not so ridiculous. Mm. But it's ridiculous maybe if you're trying to pitch it for the radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there's different purposes. And I, you know, I appreciate both. Like I'm a huge country music fan. I'm a huge like pop music fan. Like, and the craft of that kind of songwriting is so like amazing to me because people are able to say really powerful things in like three words on yep. Yep. <laughs> and get it done in 45 seconds. And you got the point of the song
0: about their dog or their drunk, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. There's some <laughs> incredibly, you know, crafty metaphor or whatever. And in worship music, a lot of times it's, man, how do we just, how do we just mm. be honest and say something that's not new, but fresh and just kind of like from our perspective? You know, God hasn't changed. God doesn't change. Yeah. But, you know, there's probably mi- millions of songs written with like that quote, you know, the psalm, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear yeah. no evil for you're with me. And, you know, I can already think of five different songs that I've sung that have that.
0: There was one a few it, weeks ago I noticed because I was driving yeah. my bike, singing it in my head, a different tone. And then you guys sang a song that I was like, but it's making sense to me because just some of the things you said, I hope people caught. Um you're going to stand on a platform and lead these people. So you're giving a voice to them to think about it. And like right. I've said, if you come to church and you're divorced, you're going to hear a different part of that song, not because it's about you to have who wants to jump on it, but it is about you in Christ and your relationship to him and how he's pronounced himself in the scriptures. And I think it's relevant because when I came to faith as a skateboarder, you might not be skating to third day you know what i mean it's like hallelujah <laughs> yeah. song like don't get me wrong it's a great credit song so we came to faith like where's the music that just kind of sounds like everything else and like you just said for those watching if you're on youtube you won't see it on the podcast but then we kind of want to be like well we're going to change it so it's not this typical whatever but it really needs to be both and what i'm hearing from you is as a worship leader you're writing songs to lead the people into worship but as an right. artist, you know, Josh Garrels was a skater, liked all the kind of rap and craziness, and you hear it in his tone. Yeah. Yeah. John Mark McMillan does a lot of that. Phil Wickham's yeah. more of a pure worship, you know, or I know Leland and all that stuff. So I just wanted to even
1: get all that take, you know, on the rest of it. And yeah, I guess and then, you know that that's way more encouraged these days too. I mean, when I was young, uh you know, younger, when I was like a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When I was like a teenager and even a kid, like Christian music was so sterile and just not um – yeah, I'm sure there's all sorts of reasons for that, but there is also, you know, a, the church culture looked different, like Christian culture was really a, a punchline yeah. for a lot of jokes, the style, the, the sound of the music, the, mm-hmm. even the services, the people, right? You know, it's like Ned Flanders from S- The Simpsons is like a punchline, right? And so um, it, it's really like, it's really more of these current years where Christian music is its own sound you know Christian yeah. artists can have their own following they can actually like have careers because they're, yeah. they they can have support I mean independent artists can actually have a life now because yeah. music's been so turned on its head that people are able to kind of you know yeah. fund their career just by their fans it's really beautiful and then you mm-hmm. have these artists that are doing incredible work they sound like nobody else and um yeah. and and now like now the sound of you know music for christians not just the sound of worship is something that's really cool and it's inspiring and it's artistic and it's its Mm -hmm. own thing and um and i I think you
0: looked at it like that like a perspective because it used to be like the middle of america churned out christian stuff it went through one of the christian bookstores mom went well the only way to make it yeah the only way
1: to make it as a christian band 20 years ago was to like mimic modern modern music and be like the The cold the shasta cola version of coke you know it's like (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's like hey look look, we're close to the real thing but (laughs) we're not (laughs) when really we're made in god's
0: image and you have this amazing gift and talent and like you're saying I, i say this because You know, my sister, my older sister would say she's not a believer. But when I go over to England, you know, with Calvary Chapel and it's Brian Brodison and that crew, they'll come and visit me. And they're in Cornwall for, you know, four days with me. Mm -hmm. And when they start playing worship on that stage and, you know, my my sisters could say they're music snobs because you live in Liverpool. You know, everyone, you're backstage at everything. You know, all the artists, past boyfriends are playing with, you know, Jimmy Page, the Jimmy Page's guitarist, this guy. But they go to worship. It's different. I know the YouTube feel and the rest of it, but when you see people singing to an invisible God, when you see people on their knees and that's to to mess with what Josh Carroll said, that's what just telling these people in this room, because I feel like for you, you are bold. I feel like Mm -hmm. our pastor is bold. I hope that as a man in today's culture, I stand boldly. So I guess it would be, I mean, I remember when I got baptized, you know, at the ocean, I had two friends there who weren't believers It's right there in California. They're taking photos, friends of mine, photographers from England. And some people just sang this simple hymn. And they both came back and they were like, it wasn't the Beatles. It wasn't Led Zeppelin. It wasn't, you know, Pink Floyd, but it messed with them because the spirit of God. And I like what you said. You started off saying you were 13, trying to find your identity. A lot of these artists the last few years have gone on tour and taught as Christians artists, but their band blew up or they became famous, but they really didn't have deep roots. And I feel like where we are today, people are kind of aware of that. These movements, because they had a great voice or great whatever. And I've seen it when I'm going to speak somewhere. 20 minutes earlier, the band came on. That kid's wrestling with his faith. He goes out and makes a crazy statement on the stage. And there's 10,000 people. And I'm like, "What, what are we doing here? So I feel like God has tightened all this stuff up. Because the world's in a crazier place. Hearing what you're saying is encouraging. You write worship songs, but enjoy whatever God's
1: doing in your life. So, I, you know, I've had the opportunity to meet some of these people. Yeah, yeah. And you know, in general, like I, I think anybody who has a lot of attention or who's well known for doing something, yeah, they get categorized in one, you know, form. You know, they're Christian celebrities or they're okay. celebrities or whatever, and. The immature thing is to just have a blanket judgment of anybody who has their face on something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you think they make lots of money and you think, you know, they're arrogant or what have you. Um, I've met so many of these people who, you know, this is their day job. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know my dad. Like, my dad's uh, an electrical engineer. Like, I've never viewed my dad like that in my life. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like... (laughs) Any kid who like goes and visits their parents at work, you see like their work version of their parents. You're like, you talk like that? Like you take a phone <laughs> call like that? Like it's really funny, right? No, this is good to think This though, is how yeah. we get to know the people we see on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's like them doing their job. And we yeah. don't see like the incredible friendships or family that they have. Community. Kind yeah. of dad or mom that they are. Um, and, and even the kind of life they have with God. I mean, I, I hope... And I pray that like who I am as a pastor on stage is a representation of my life with God. It ought to be. But if all you're doing to evaluate my relationship with God is judging like Mm. the few minutes I'm on stage,
0: yeah,
1: that's short-sighted. Yeah, because there could be all sorts of things happening that aren't appropriate for me to bring out onto the stage in front of people. I'm not going to just like walk up there and be like, "So my wife and I had it out last night," you know? (laughs) It's like, yeah. I can come up and be honest and be like, man, this has been a hard week for me. You know, I can, uh, there's ways to like be, yeah. I think, transparent and helpful as a, uh, you know, person that people pay attention to. But, um, but it's, it's, it's wrong of us to necessarily like throw everybody into a category. And of course, yeah. there's all sorts of, you know, news, uh, you know, headlines and documentaries yeah, made yeah. of big names that fall. Yeah. And have these dark lives, but I don't think that's true of everybody. Yeah, and um, and you know, I think it's it's fair of us to like be skeptical, but it's also important for us to be graceful and to be, you know, merciful. I mean, like Jesus offers us grace and mercy endlessly, yeah. and we offer it um, maybe for ten seconds. And we feel good <laughs> about a ourselves.
0: I'm going to yeah. forgive them. I'm going to overlook something, and we feel better. Right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So all that to say, I think you know, there's there's a there's a two way responsibility. I think anybody who wants to have a career or finds themselves a lot of times we find that we find ourselves in these places. There's yeah. people who are famous for doing music, who something blew up they didn't ask for it. Maybe they yeah. were just being obedient to like what God was doing in their lives. now they all of a sudden they have a video with a million views and they have a record and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's their responsibility to steward that well, to live yeah. a life with integrity, to yep. be a good, you know, uh, spouse, to be a good parent, to be a good friend, mm-hmm. to be a good business partner, because you know, all this stuff has money involved with it at some point. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's on us as the church, to actually um, be patient and to, um, to be uh, <laughs> understanding and to be not necessarily, and I say understanding not necessarily to say like, oh, to like let things go, but to actually yeah. like be good listeners and observers and actually to like, you know, let people um, kind of let themselves come out so we can understand them more. We put yeah, such judgments yeah. on people when it's too soon is I guess what yeah. I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I guess I just got protective at times and I'm like, I'd hear you see like 5,000 kids loving this band and they come up and the guys decided he's not a Christian anymore. He's announcing it on the stage. I'm like, did anyone running this event kind of like gauge oh, where everyone, yeah. you know what I mean, spiritually, but, but you made a point and I don't want to take you all day, but you did say something amazing earlier, you know, um, how do you personally, and I know it's through the word and, you know, we're all believers, but how do you personally interact with God? What is that rhythm you feel like when you're like, man, I feel like this song, or I feel like this here. Is there any times it's super, where is this coming from? Or the times like, of course, this is the Lord just for you as an artist, you know?
1: Yeah, man. Well, you know, what's funny is, uh, there's something that you and I talked about just like casually one day at church, Mm. that's kind of stuck with me. And I always felt guilty about articulating my life this way until I heard you say it. And I was like, Oh, he thinks about it like this too. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, Um, maybe we're both guilty. I don't know, but (laughs) I was, we were talking about prayer and I was talking about how, you know, it's funny because there's a, there's a, I think a misconception of pastors and, and even like worship leaders, songwriters, that they Mm -hmm. are these kind of like intense prayer, like have these intense prayer lives where they like go to this quiet room and they're just like, praying out loud by themselves for hours. Mm-hmm. And that's where like all the magic happens in their life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never felt that way. And I've always felt incredibly awkward. And I've always felt like um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's unnatural if I just make that my only way of, of seeking the Lord. Now, do I put it into practice in my life? Absolutely, because I think it's important for me to yeah. pray out loud, to have a practice of prayer. But when I think about praying ceaselessly, there's so many times where I'm like talking with people and they're like, hey, can you pray for me, brother? And I'm like, yeah, and I pray for them in the moment. But then like when they come to mind, I just go, oh, Lord, yeah.
0: yeah." And yeah. it's like
1: just that. It's like, oh, Lord, yes. <laughs> like when I read something and it's like, oh, such and such is sick. Are they going into surgery? I'm like, yep, yes, Lord, be with them. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. kind of like, I've learned that that can be just as effective, just as important, just as like transformational in my heart. If I'm mm-hmm. integrating prayer as like a continued conversation with the Lord rather than like, oh my gosh, I got to like cut out, you know, half hour when yeah. I wake up and a half hour here. Um, so for me, like so much of my life has like been learning in my life mm-hmm. as a musician, songwriter, worship leader, pastor has been learning to listen and observe and then respond in those moments.
0: hmm so, That's a kind of praying without ceasing idea yeah
1: yeah and it's just it's like you know even when you're doing a podcast like this you're 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 like you're trying to listen but also think about what you're gonna say like <laughs> i get it like i i've done this a couple times and know like the kind of like mental like jujitsu you have to do to like make well it talking
0: to me i mean <laughs> andrew, andrew <laughs> barris used to say and this is english people you know i wish you all lived in england so i felt more normal with all the Americans but we say a load of stuff and then qualify it. And so people right. listen to me preach, they go, man, you lay out all
1: these points and there's a point you've had the whole time, you know? So you're
0: listening and then you're like, okay, I'm in. So I've
1: been trying to actually just listen before I speak, mm-hmm. especially just when I'm like, you know, encountering people. I go to this coffee shop a couple of times a week and, you know, I'll like say hi to the baristas and they're like my friends at this point, you know, cause I see them so often. It's like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to ask them how their day is. I'm going to like wait to hear before I'm thinking about them Mm -hmm. asking me how my day is.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because what's crazy is like in the simplest thing, like asking someone how their day is, you might find yourself in a life changing conversation. Oh, yeah. You might be talking about Jesus before you know it because you actually like were patient enough to listen rather than just get to the point where you talk about yourself or whatever. Um, and so for me, like it's been a ton of listening. Songwriting, my growth as a songwriter, my growth as a pastor has been learning to listen, to be patient, to yeah. be more inclusive of other uh, people and collaborate on things. Mm. Because when you bring more people in, when you build a community around worship, when you bring yeah. other people to lead it with you, um, now you have opportunities to hear rather than all these uh, pressures to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Like the less I talk, I feel <laughs> like the more influence I've gained. Mm. Um, and I don't say that as like some sort of like marketing gimmick. It's just like the, the, more, the more I've chosen to withhold, Yeah, like it's been yeah. a conscious choice yeah. to let others speak um, the more I've grown and the more I've learned to listen to the Lord and to speak only what he's given me to speak.
0: Hmm. And that plays over into even the songwriting idea and all the rest. And like,
1: topics. Oh yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so for me, like that, my relationship with the Lord has been, um, I used to think in a much more legalistic way of, I have to put all these religious practices into place. Yeah. And, what I've learned is to just be an, to be as good a listener as I can be, because when I'm listening, if I'm truly listening, then I'll hear God say, "Hey, let's talk. You need to confess some things right now," yeah. or "Hey, like this person like needs some encouragement," or "Hey, yeah. like." That thing you've not stopped thinking about, keep going. Like you're onto something. Yeah, yeah. And it's in those really quiet spaces that I actually feel like my life is, like I said at the beginning, more oriented toward God. Hmm. And it looks it looks way more simple. It looks, it doesn't look, it doesn't always just look like I'm some sort of godly person. I'm just living my life. That is a Um, godly
0: person. I mean, living your life. And I want to qualify some stuff because, you know, the guys that, and I know we shouldn't look to people like it's not idolizing them, but I look at these old revivalists or fiery preachers. And again, for anyone even from our church or who knows me or whatever, I feel a love from people. For those people like my Brian's intense as an evangelist, that's how we think, you know, we're protective. We're hyper-focused on this, but these old school, like um, preachers like um, Leonard Ravenhill, He'll pray six hours a day because there's nothing else he's doing. You know what I mean? So it's almost like um, he's not got a Twitter. He's not going out. He's not at the coffee shop doing whatever. For us now, I look at it like, okay, on the way to jiu-jitsu in the morning, there's 20 minutes. I'm listening to worship. Am I talking to someone? What am I doing? And the way a lot of my life unfolds, who's asking me to pray? Brian's not saying he doesn't pray. I mean, you're at a lot of worship sets. I mean, there was one last night for our church, you know, Right. but in your interacting with that, And then I guess I'd say um, just outside of that, you know, as well with time, but what are you working on personally now? Because how many albums have you guys worked
1: on now? What have you put out? Oh, man, there's been, I mean, it's crazy. We put out our first album as Branches in 2019. Yep. You know, that was a huge marker in my own life, too, because I'd never really been a part of something like that. It was a new experience for me, you know, writing songs and, putting them out on a church album and a live album and all this work went into it. And that came out like two, three months before we entered into COVID. Yeah. (laughs) So um, what's interesting is that the community at Branches, the songwriting community, the worship community has grown significantly in the last three years. There's more worship leaders than there ever have been. There's more people who want to collaborate and write songs um Kate, Katie who's on staff with us um her and I are like he- big songwriting partners we just write a yeah. ton together um and so honestly there's like a surplus of songs right now uh, we were joking last night cuz we were leading some of the new songs at the worship night like we have more new songs than we can like fit in responsibly mm. because then it'll just be a bunch of songs. Nobody knows, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: it's true. That is important that they know a theme to kind of like right, right. that. Yes. Lord song or open up the gates. And, and to me, it's more, I'm just singing about Jesus in public with people singing about Jesus. But... Right. Totally. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> uh, there's been, we've been writing a ton of songs um right now. The whole goal is to figure out like what to do with them. I mean, Obviously, yeah. we're using them in our gatherings. There, you know, there's some songs that people just really love and love to yeah. sing. So it's recording them one way or another and getting them out there so people have them. Um, me personally, like I'm just writing a ton more now. Like I'm trying to collaborate more with other people. I'm trying to collaborate mm-hmm. with more people in our city. Um, oh, cool. I'm I'm traveling a little bit here and there to like write with other people. Um, I'm actually like. I'm actually going on a trip with Justin Unger to go songwriting. In Amazing, May, really fun. So, um, so yeah, it's for me. I, I feel like um, my my call in life, kind of at this point and moving forward, is you know less of like trying to make Sundays a cool experience because Sundays are already a great experience at our church, and it, the yeah. way, the reason why is because of all the people who go into it, not because yeah. of me. Like there's weekends I'm not there and it's, it's amazing. And we just have an incredible worship team who wants to like, you know, sacrifice and love and serve Mm. and they're all incredibly talented, gifted people. Um, but for me, it's, it's continuing to shepherd that and foster it and to, and to actually go away and write and to bring songs out and to bring songs out Mm. of other people and to, you know, um, Kind of create and collaborate and and really foster the culture moving forward and to just raise up more leaders honestly yeah. like the more the merrier we have this huge worship team and people come to me and ask about joining it and i go yeah i mean the more the merrier we'll we'll figure it out we'll figure out how to get you in because so you guys
0: don't reply to emails though because i haven't got an email back from anyone <laughs> <laughs> no i'm saying this because i went to jiu-jitsu again the other day and the professor there there was like seven or eight people from our gym that just showed up and a lot of them listen to the podcast so what's up guys gals but they came to church for the first time and in the gym they were like i couldn't believe the voices of the people and huh. and you know we'll watch you know american Idol or whatever and i'm always right. just like oh everyone in our church could win this and it's not like you know <laughs> and i'm just saying it is pretty crazy It is pretty crazy. They're talking about Katie, you know, when you get the keyboard and Mary and everyone else. I mean, it is crazy, all you guys that can do that. Um, But yeah. And you
1: find, you know, I think to me, it's like all of the people who lead worship at our church, we have, uh, I think, seven worship leaders, including myself. Yeah, I'm the only one that's full-time on staff. One is part-time. The rest do not get paid. Mm. They've all been the paid person at a church at one point or another. And could very well be hired for that job somewhere if they wanted to. But they choose to be here. And I think part of that is because of the culture that exists here and the way that they're valued and the way that their lives are valued, their families are valued, um, their talents and skills are valued. Like there's no no ladder you have to climb up to have Mm. access to the highest level of leadership at this church. Yeah. You want an audience with the worship pastor and the lead pastor, you can have it, you know, <laughs> and your idea is valued. Your contribution to the community is important. Your voice is important. Yeah. Your, your ministry is important. Yeah. And so um, I think, you know, there's so many great wins to all of it. One of them is we don't ever have the battle of preferences at our church. There's so many people who could come and say, I like it when you do this. I like it when you do that. Well, there's so many different worship leaders that they can't even d- do that yeah, because yeah. everyone's different. Everyone's unique. There's so much variety and diversity on the team as far as like personalities and leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> and it just makes it not about one person. It's a culture. It's a community. That that was Easter. You know, Easter, we all sang in the round and people were just all looking at each other realizing it, that the yeah. church is the, is the people. Church is the people. We did a normal service and we just did it in a circle. The church was the people. And
0: for people that are listening, just so you get it. Yeah, our church, we, you know, use a big space at a giant senior center. I mean, the building that the city owns is like $35 So I love that our church is like, why are we going to ever pay for a building when they want us to use it and so in order to fit more seats in they kind of did this square in the middle where you know our pastor kind of rotated around and spoke and it was like something i have an old elvis or you know kirkobane Nirvana <laughs> thing but the amazing thing was you get to see people and you guys just worshiped your hearts out and there was way more people because of that but i just got that picture of even the mercy seat you know how the two angels look at each other and when god looks down the mercy right. and the blood is what's seen and that worship and the power of it all. And I say that because you could look at that and say, well, look, they're the center. Well, will know the word, the worship, the spirit. It, it, it's very humble. And I don't know if you remember this, but when Andrew was planning the church, you know, being sent out from Rock Harbor, one of the things he said is it's good for you when you hear worship songs and they're not your favorite, because it lets you know that you're not the center of worship. God is. Remember Mm -hmm. Francis Chan's quote, and people would kind of criticize worship at times. He goes, the worship isn't for you. It's to God. Like we all have our preferences. I'm old enough. I'm like, if I can't sing any song to him, I'm the one with the issue anyway. So I'm, I'm getting Brian and some of the worship leaders. Give your guys worship leaders a break. Go up and encourage them. You know what I mean? I know they love you at our <laughs> church and everything like that. Yeah. But um, I guess just how would people connect with you? What's the way to hear your music? I know you put some of your old stuff on the end of some podcast. Back yeah. In the day. Yeah.
1: No, that's a great question. Um, it's funny because I've been, I've had this like internal battle with, you know, self promotion or anything like that. So my Instagram is pretty much like me and my kids and stuff like that. <laughs> but actually, I've been really wanting to just share music that i've been writing a lot more lately mm-hmm. if not just to have like little snippets out there to encourage people so yeah. i'm actually i'm actually going to start recording some videos and good just some cool things like that and putting them on my instagram it's just my name brian albright
0: brian and, with uh, an i yeah. yeah
1: yeah with an i yeah and then uh and then i might do some tiktok too i might get i might. I might just hit it up, hang out with all the people younger than me out in TikTok land. That's what I
0: do, honestly. And and, and I hear Andrew's message, you know, again, I'm talking about our pastor because I always joke, like, you know, he's just, he doesn't care about any of that stuff. And he's a good gauge on when you're trying to promote yourself. But he's always said to me, you know, it's almost like the Apostle Paul was boasting in what God was doing in him to point to Christ. If you're putting yourself out there, I mean, there's probably going to be people that message you who really need to talk to you. Right. people that message Austin so the whole goal of it is you're going to use this gift for him and his glory make videos do stuff i mean you got a wife and kids and family to keep you humble but you know use the gift to get out there so Brian right. Albright is there a website or what's the best way just to listen to even the church worship or the albums or
1: you can go to our church website brancheshb.com there's a music tab has all of our albums up there there's even resources for like chord charts and stuff like that wow. that we put made available um You can also, I have a website, brianalbrightmusic.com. It's just like a landing page of anything that I've kind of been involved in. I actually produce music as well, and I've been producing music for a Spanish artist. He uh, writes Spanish worship artists. His name is Jonathan Castrejon, and um, he's he's incredible. And it's honestly like such an honor to like meet him and... um, (laughs) <laughs> spend hours mixing songs that I can't even understand. But I think they're beautiful and oh, it's I know beautiful. they're for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to some... I, I don't, when don't we speak go to any Costa Spanish. Rica. I know barely enough to know. Like, he'll he'll tell me the title and I'm like, oh, it's Jesus, my friend. Okay, cool. Like, I got it, you
0: know? <laughs> no, but singing along, we go to Costa Rica and we we'll go to that church in Liberia and they'll have all the songs in Spanish, but they'll always sing a verse in English for us. But the Spanish is just... <laughs> Like you said earlier, when you're all singing together, it doesn't matter what language. It's amazing. Right. But the best way to get a hold of you is just Brian Albright on your Instagram, probably inbox. You message you, and I know yep. we took up you know plenty of your time. Your wife was in a moment ago with the kids, yeah. we got this thing going. But any last thoughts? And then if you just pray, you know. And I, I just want to tell people. Hey uh, guys, life is rough. It's rocky. There's the ups and the downs, and um, don't get discouraged. Like Brian even said, amazing people that got involved in ministry and they wrote the church off. Why were you really there? You know, um, that pastor's going through something. That congregation's going through something. I could be the same way looking at individual churches. I'm kind of protective of the gospel. I don't need to be, but I'm saying I want to be bringing about things. I wanted to unpack this interview to help encourage young pastors, maybe older, burned out ones. But I tell you guys, just look at what's in your hand. Give it to the Lord. Walk in humility, because I really believe this season we're in, the way the world is looking, trying to find solid ground. There is nowhere to look but to Christ. And I always use that John Piper quote. Missions exist because worship doesn't. The reason there's evangelism, the reason there was apostles, the reason there's, there's preaching, teaching, there's a cross. It's all to save souls, so they become worshippers. So, any closing thoughts again, and then pray for us. Or,
1: yeah, yeah, I would just say, um, you know, my encouragement for people who want to see something better, whether they are just church attenders or they work for the church is encourage the things that you want to see. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, you know, and I get it, but people don't know, some people just don't even know that they're empowered to encourage me as a pastor, more than a musician. Amen. And I, I have people in my life who do that and that kind of keeps me grounded rather than people who just encourage me because of my talent as a musician. Mm. Um, but i i have hope for the church i have hope for ministry i don't you know I, I roll my eyes at the churches that suffer because uh of leaders that fall and because they have you know mm-hmm. they get headlines made about them but you know, I, I wrote a song. my son, his name is you know, named from the song uh, in James chapter two. It says, "Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of Heavenly Lights." Mm. And if I truly believe that the church is from God, then I also believe that the church is inherently good. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I want to like hold on to that hope and hold on to the hope of Jesus, because I believe that his church is something that's good for this world. And so um, I want to mm. commit my life to serving it. And I want to, you know, encourage people who feel that call on themselves to commit mm. their lives to serving it. Um, you know, there might be negative experiences, but it's it's because of people and their sin. It's not because of the church that Christ Amen. established. And so um, I'm a believer in the church and I'll never turn my back on it. I'm I'm committed to not turning my back on it. And if the Lord calls me out of a job at a church, so be it. <laughs> but I, I'm not, I'm not turning my back on his church. I believe in it and its mission. And, um, and I think it's a good thing. So. Amen. Yeah. Gates of Talked Hades will prevail
0: against it. I mean, it is his bride. She's beautiful, but you know, and I'm telling you, even if someone fell into the craziest of sins, struggle with whatever I am for that person, reconciliation, the rest we're protectors, mm-hmm. but yeah, the 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 bride of Christ, she's beautiful. So yes, please pray for whatever is yes. on your heart.
1: Yes, Lord. Well, we just thank you, Lord, that you are good. And we thank you that um we can trust in you. We can trust in your word. Um Lord, we can trust that you're at work in a world that we can't control, a world that often brings chaos and confusion. Um, and Lord, I just thank you for this the perspectives that we can gain just through conversation, the ways sure. that you can sharpen one another. Um, that we can be sharpened by one another just through um, anecdotes and experiences, and mm-hmm. and even encouragement and sharing the truth with one another, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that um, that those who listen to this yes, would um, hear from you, and and um, that they would just be encouraged to seek you, to dwell in your presence, to be listeners mm-hmm. of you, Lord. Um, to take in and let your word um, inhabit their souls so that it may have a transformational work, Lord. Um, I thank you for what you've done in my life and the life of Brian, and I just pray, Lord, that um, you would bless, bless Mm -hmm. the audience of this show, that you would just continue to have your will be done and to um, allow us the honor of participating and serving you in it, Lord. Let me pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus' name, amen.
0: And I'm realizing that, you know, I think I've had more Brian's on this show than anyone else. You got me, <laughs> you, Brian Broderson, Brian Welch.
1: I think it's a little so biased now. That's it is a little biased now. Yeah. I, I
0: some hate in the comments, folks. No, but, <laughs> but I want to close on just this thought, you guys. I started with that picture in Luke 10 of Mary and Martha. And the amazing thing in that story is Mary fell at his feet, obviously worshiping him as Lord. But Martha also called him Lord. Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship? Brian began that relationship as a teenager and it was through music. And ultimately it came down to him knowing his need for redemption and forgiveness through the work of Jesus on the cross. You've heard me many times, divorce, suicidal, hate and life. I mean, here we are podcasting about Jesus, the church, the community, as Brian just said, it all exists because it's on mission. As Jesus said himself, I came to seek and save that which was lost. The spirit of God comes into the world to connect, Victor, and he lets you know, man, God is so big and loving. He sent his son to die for you. You might have heard this story your whole life, but do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Can you stand alongside of us and worship? Will you be there at the marriage in heaven? So, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, brother. It's amazing hearing all of this. It's, you know, just your perspective pastorally helps me understand things. So I can only imagine what it's doing for people who are unaware of what a worship pastor mm. even looks like or or where they are in some trench mad at god or someone else but guys paul wrote to us in first 1 corinthians 1 and he said the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing but to us who are being saved it's the power of god god's power his grace and mercy went forth in the earth because he loved us so much it's a free gift thank you guys for tuning in hit up pastor brian you'll be blessed and he'll make time to hit hit you up as well and thank you guys like share all that goofy stuff i don't want to talk about but it does reach people god bless love you brother thank you so much absolutely thanks
1: for having me amen